that's been watching shout to everyone that's been supporting this is the season nine episode 33 so shout to everybody that's been supporting shout to everyone that has helped us to get this far so far i'm here with a very special co-host introduce yourself my name is benry marcellus some of y'all may know me some of y'all don't og you know it's back to be it's gonna be home it's gonna be home again all right, all right. we got a very special guest in the building from all the way from North Carolina, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Heather. Uh, my friends call me Noki. My pronouns are she, hers, and I am an author and a coach helping people set their best boundaries, live their best lives, find their best relationships, all that fun stuff. All right, so you already said something that, that jumped out to me, Noki, and why do your friends call you Noki? Because I want some nookie tonight. Nookie, okay. nookie. That's the nookie yeah. that we know. We don't know. <laughs> so you got to put yeah. this on. So funny story. Um, when I was 14, I, um, I started what was going to be an annual tradition. I bought myself a birthday present. Mm. And the present I bought myself was the Oxford English Dictionary, the compact version, which is supposed to be the most complete English dictionary in the world. Mm. I was 14. My friends were 14, 15, and 16. What do you think, admittedly geeky, but teenage kids do with the world's most complete dictionary? Mm. Look up the dirty words, mm. right? So we went through all the usuals, and then we started with some of the mo more esoteric ones. And at the time, Nookie was not in common use. I mean, this was <clears throat> 35 years ago. And um, we looked it up, and it, it meant, you know, get the Nookie, you know, have the sex, whatever. But there was also, it used to be slang in Scotland in the 1940s, like lady, dame, or bird for a woman you found attractive and might want to nookie with. Okay. I was dubbed the nookie by my friends and it sort of stuck with me through the years. Wait, but why? Because you were dubbed the one that someone want to have nookie with, you saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that means you had a lot of nookie then. <laughs> I was accepting it kind of like, you know, like on MASH, you know, there was Hot Lips, Houlihan, right? Like I accepted it as like, you know, sort of a, you know, gentle ribbing about, you know, being the primary girl and a lot of geeky guys and mm. 
it's been fun. It's it's led me into some fun adventures through my life. I bet. <laughs> so tell us about some of these fun adventures throughout your life that led you to this point to being on the real world today. Um, well, so I've hitchhiked across the country. I've Sheesh. joined the carnival for a season and worked. Wait, 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 wait. Let's zone in this hitchhike because I see this in movies and now looking at, you know, sex trafficking and kidnapping. You weren't scared? Well, so remember, this was a long time ago. I was 15 at the time, so, you know. They were kidnapping just, kids and raping them back then, too. Well, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't have the normal fear that most people do. Mm. And um, I started off with a friend of mine, and we took off hitchhiking across the country and, and seeing what there was to see. Um, and it, I, I was not scared. I should have been scared. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm. I should have been terrified. I should not have done it. And that actually probably describes a good portion of my life. When you say hitchhiking, like, you talking about staying on the corner with your thumb out to, for people mm. to pick you up? Yeah, I'm on the highway. Uh-huh. And, and then who? Getting rides to wherever people were going from truck stop to truck stop or whatever. So who would pick you guys up? Truckers? Uh, yeah, truckers, a couple of, you know, good Samaritan-type people, mostly, yeah. And no one tried to hit on you or try to, you know, nothing like that? Um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a little bit of hitting on me, although I was traveling with a friend at the time, so we were kind of a package deal, and Oh, people, your friend was a guy, you're saying? My friend was a guy, Okay, yeah. so it looked like you were together. It did look like we were together. Oh, so say that, say that. <laughs> you know, that's different now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and it's kind of like when I when I ended up joining the carnival, you know, I figured I was going to be like joining these people who traveled from town to town and, you know, ran games and rides and partied every night. And that's true. So you was a carny then. Yeah, but I also ended up with 22 older brothers who were very protective. Mm. So... You know, again, I should have been terrified. Much worse things should have happened to me. But for some reason, I lived a charmed life. Wait, when you say carnival, you talking about like a circus or carnival like a street fair? More like a street fair, yeah. So like, you would you know, move around your, with your them? Your county carnivals, your county fairs that happen, that mm -hmm. type of thing. Okay, okay. So you would travel with them like how it is in the movies? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to how it is in the movies, but... We lived in a tractor trailer, you know, like one of the semi-trailer things, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. There were 18 bunks in each of them. Wow. I got the one furthest in the back corner so they could make sure that I didn't sneak out at night. Um, <laughs> they were very protective. Mm -hmm. and um, But yeah, we, we'd go from town to town, set up and tear down rides, run games, meet townies, you know. So in one... Cash. So in one semi I lived in and the other semi had the carnival stuff or? Um, there were two semis with living quarters, such as they were, which essentially bunk beds with like little lockers. Mm -hmm. And then um, there were other semis that like towed the rides, like the Ferris wheel and the, um, there was like the one that goes around in a circle, sort of like, you know, up and down and mm -hmm. around. And there's the, the the silly silo, the one that spins really fast and you yeah. get stuck to the walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so this essentially was a traveling business that someone owned, right? So you was hired yeah. as an employee. 
Yeah, oh yeah. So you were working technically. So you was like child labor? Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, when it, I don't know how carnivals are now. I, I can't <laughs> you probably <laughs> saying that. We're not talking about right now. We're talking about when you were working. I do know yeah. that at the time, I was the youngest and the only girl. Oh, mm. So, you know, yeah, the, the others life. were at least... I think the Lucky. the next youngest Lucky, yeah. guy was seventeen. Lucky. Wait, did they know yeah. your your name was Nookie too? Yes. <laughs> Everybody in the carnival had a nickname, right? Like wow. there was Shadow, and there was Marshall, and there was Flyboy, and I was Nookie. Wow. Okay, so Nookie, after after the carnival, what came next after that? Um, let's see. So after the carnival, that's when I, um, I moved to Connecticut and I was going to school there and every other weekend, I had a three day weekend and I'd take the bus mm. into Port Authority and then I'd hang out with street people in New York City. Well, like homeless people? Yeah. And do what? Crack? Learn about them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but they wouldn't try to give you drugs because majority of street homeless people are drug addicts. Oh, you know? yeah, they would. I mean, they would offer me drugs, but yeah, I had never, I, so. I never used drugs in my life. Mm. I've never been drunk. I have used drugs now. I've tried a couple of things, but at that point, I had never smoked a cigarette. I had never been drunk. Mm. I'd never tried drugs, and I just said no, thank you, and they accepted it. What drugs did they offer you? Oh gosh, I don't even know what they were. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was, again, I was pretty naive, right? You know how, like, some people can look at somebody and say, oh, they're tweaking, right? Yeah. I had no idea. I just assumed, oh, you know, they're having a bad day or whatever it was. So but you I, would I, just walk up to homeless people and just hang out with them, you saying, for the day? Well, or? I mean, I met, I met the original ones in uh, Washington Square Park, you know, some of the, um, comedians there that would like you know talk during the summer you know this is back in the day it's not quite the same these days mm. but the street performers and stuff and i started getting to know them and hanging out with them and a lot of them were either you know homeless or squatters in the east village again this is back before manhattan was super overbuilt mm. and um i would go and i would just hang out with them mm. Very and where would you stay like after you finish hanging out with them sometimes i would stay with them sometimes i would stay at the saint mark's hotel wait which stay, at the time was stay with them how crazy. like on the street mm, no squatting oh squ oh oh at people's homes i mean i'm no no in like uh, empty buildings but i slept in a doorway or two in my time that's not very comfortable wait why why did you sleep in a doorway uh, well because we were out really late and we sat down and ended up falling asleep in a doorway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I find, I find all this hard to believe. I mean, did you write a book on all of this stuff? Like, you ever wrote a book? Well, so the book that I've written is about building your best life through boundaries. Mm. Um, my life story and the things that I've done in my life just happen to lend me experiences and colorful stories to share 
you know, when talking about, you know, boundaries and building the life of your dreams and, you know, finding the love that you deserve and all of that. Mm. So after going to Manhattan and hanging out with the street homeless and all these other adventures that you had, what exactly you did after that? Because I know so everybody I watching want to know. I ended up meeting my soon-to-be husband in Washington Square Park as well. He was not a street person. Mm -hmm. um, I did marry him. Uh, turns out that there were some challenges there, and I ended up in an abuse, abusive relationship mm. and ended that way, way too long later. Um, I was with him for 15 years. And, you had uh, children together? No. Wow, no. 15 years, no children? I was I was building a business and we were traveling and um, I was on birth control and uh, so I was I was lucky I've, I've never really desired kids for mm. myself mm -hmm. and that would have been a volatile situation to have them in yeah so you know it just it didn't happen thankfully okay okay so Benny want to ask you a question because I know you you interested in the stuff that she's saying. Yeah, I was just um, I was just really wondering how how do you build up so much courage to do half of the things that you do? Because you know a lot of people we go through this life living a safe life. A lot of people are just scared of what's out there and what's you you know you're just very free spirited, very courageous. And I just want I know some of the, I know some of the people in the audience want to know too as well. Like, how did you? Yeah, what made you like that? Um, I would say part of it is I was I was born pretty curious okay. about the world. So there's there's definitely that. My mother was the same way. Um, she was an artistic free spirit, and I think the way I was raised, I was raised with a lot of love. Okay. And they, my parents both really tried to instill me with confidence and self-assurance and the belief that I could do anything I wanted to do. And maybe they just put a little too much of that in me. Yeah. Um, and when, all, when I did all of these things and I had such an amazing time and I met such wonderful, interesting, fantastic people, you know, um, I'd talk to anybody who would talk to me and I would learn their story. And that just ended up being such a positive experience that I just kept doing it. Like I've always felt like they, they say that at the end of your life, you know, you, you don't regret the things you did. You regret the things you didn't do. Mm -hmm. And I heard that story when I was fairly young and I've always tried to do as much as possible. Like experiences are far more interesting to me than, you know, a new car or, you know, the latest, you know, threads or whatever it is. Mm. So I'd much rather, you know, hop a plane to Thailand than, you know, buy new clothes or whatever yeah that's a very that brings me to a story you know when i went to haiti right and my dad was telling okay me and my cousins we all went on the boat it's, it's weird because we're all grown but because we're around the same age it's almost like we're kids at the same time yeah. so it's like 
<laughs> and then it's like Haiti's a magical place. Anyone that's been there, I would say it's like the island, the Peter Pan island, where it's like people don't age. Unless they tell you their age, you'll never know their age because it's weird like that. So we were getting, we went to the beach. And when we went to the beach, the part of the beach that we went was closed. And so we had to get on a boat, like one of those wooden boats to get to the other side. It's like a wooden boat with a motor in the back. But Haiti's a ghetto country. And I, and I say ghetto in the sense that, you know, if I fall into the water, there's no Coast Guard or lifeguard that's coming for me. This boat does not have um, life jackets. They did not do no safety precaution. They didn't give us no snorkeling gear or nothing. Like, we're just sitting on this boat. It's like, we make it or we don't. <laughs> and it's like, my cousin's like, don't get on this boat, bro. Don't get on this boat. Because your father said, don't get on this boat. And I'm like, yo, bro. If I don't get on this boat, bro, I don't know when the next time I'm going to come back to get on this boat. It took me 35 years to get on this boat, bro. And I'm like, yo, we all, it's like, I'm getting on this boat. And everybody else who's coming is coming with me. So whoever else want to stay, stay. So I got on the boat first. When I got on the boat, everybody else just started getting on the boat. And it was just him left. And he was like, and I was like, all right, so you're going to stay here until we come back. And he was like, nah, nah, I'm getting on the boat too. So he got on the boat. I told him like, yo, this is an experience, bro. Like, Look how long you grew up in Haiti and you never been over here before because either it, you wasn't able to afford it or no one took you or none of that. But now that I'm here, I could afford to take all you guys with me. So we're all going to go like you don't have the issue of pain. The only issue is, do you want this experience or not? But regardless, I'm going for this experience. Then that same cousin, the next day we went horseback riding up the mountain to go to the um, the Citadel in Haiti. It's like a fort on top of a mountain. And all these experiences for him and my uncle was like first-time experiences. I'm like, yo, y'all lived on this island your entire life and you never did this before. And you would not have done it if I didn't come here. So it's about that experience and then sharing it with other people. And then now they could tell that story. Yep, that's exactly it. Hmm. That's, that's exactly it. Like, it's, I want to, you know, squeeze all the juice out of life that I can. I want to interact with fascinating people. I want to make friends all around the world. I want to, you know, live my best life. And I, we were, when we were talking before the show, I mean, I feel like if more people, you know, had that kind of experience in their life and had love and belonging, the world would be a better place. Yeah, of course. So what you think about that? Like, would you ever hitchhike around the country? I personally wouldn't hitchhike around the country because <laughs> people straight like that. Black men trying to hitchhike, they looking at you crazy. Well, also, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't hitchhike around the country <laughs> now. Like, this, is, this is a very different place than thirty-five years ago. Nah, it definitely was, and I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Like, life back then is so much different now. Like, it is. And yeah, it's like I would like to have experienced that too because. This life now is all about, you know, technology, social media and everything. And I just felt like back in the day, like, it was just, you know, everything so cool and calm. But I'm also it's curious. True. I mean, those were the days before, you know, Facebook and yeah. Instagram, and, like <laughs> recording your life by, you know. Yeah, you have to, you have you to live by actually living. Yeah, <laughs> actually living through experience, actually doing things. 
But that's a lot of American novels like that, like Huckleberry Finn and yeah. all those other, like the Goonie movies, like yeah. the kids it's that just, go on adventures. Yeah, go on adventures. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. But I mean, we can still, this is the thing, life right now, for we're, whoever you are, wherever you are, life is about the, life is the adventure you choose, mm. right? Every single day you live your priorities. You live what I call, you know, your boundaries. The, whatever is inside of this invisible line around you, that's the stuff that you want and you prioritize. And everything else outside of that line, that's the things you don't want and you want less of in your life. As the saying goes, you know, um, outside the line, not my monkeys, not my circus. Inside the line, these are my monkeys, these are my circus, right? But if you make the choice on a daily basis to choose something new, to learn something new, to connect with somebody new, to take a chance, to choose, you know, like I, I often choose thrift shopping instead of buying new because I can save that money for an adventure mm-hmm. or I can, you know, live my life running my business instead of having to go to a nine to five job or whatever. Like these are the choices that I've made in order to create the life that is ideal for me. And, you know, in my life, I also have a partner of 10 years. And so for me and, you know, for my partner. Mm. Oh, so after the 15 year marriage, you then got into another relationship that you've been in for 10 years. Well, I got into another relationship that I was in for nearly five years. And that one was kind of Um, but it was better Mm -hmm. because I had taken time. I actually took one year Mm -hmm. after my marriage and spent it almost entirely alone, Mm -hmm. sort of like working on myself, trying to figure out what went wrong and how I allowed that. A lot of women don't do that though. A lot of women just jump into other relationships just so they won't be alone. Well, I think that I, I, I don't even think it's just women. Men too. I mean, how many how many guys you know like put a lot of time and like self reflection into themselves before jumping into their next exactly the same relationship in a different dress? Exactly. Right. But I feel like nowadays the bargaining chip is oh you want it. It's an odd paradox that I was reading in a book the other day, right? And there was a Muslim who was speaking on this, and he said this about Christians. He said Christians. They don't really care about having sex because as long as the baby doesn't come, no one knows. But they want people to get married, but they don't want babies to come before marriage. And so, but then again, people want to have sex. So that's always going to be the issue where people want to have sex. Nowadays, like some some people are saying, okay, no sex before marriage. Or they're like, okay, if you want sex, you got to give me certain things. Like some people want marriage, some people want dates. Some people want trips, some people want cars, some people just want a baby, depending on what they want. Everybody wants something different, but everybody wants something, and it becomes very transitional. I think I think that there is a lot, in what you're saying, I think there's a lot of truth. Um, we, just as a culture, tend to look to relationships to... Um, complete us Mm. and complete the parts of our lives that we want. Um, 
And I had just been through a relationship that I thought was going to be forever, right? I married him. I was in love with him. And um, it ended up harming me. So I felt like I needed to get right in my head so I didn't do the same thing over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't. You know, the next, the next guy I went out with, he was a wonderful man. We're still friends. Um, although he's, he lives, you know, all the way across the country, but he he was the opposite. Excuse me? He lives in New York? No, no. He lives in Michigan. Okay. You know, I live way down here in the South, so we're way, way apart. Um, but he was the opposite of my husband in almost every way. So where my husband was fiery and, you know, like full of, you know, passion and, mean sometimes Mm. this guy was very calm and not full of passion and it Mm -hmm. it ended up not being right for me either sort of like goldilocks and the three bears right you know one was too hot the other was too cold Mm -hmm. i was looking for just right okay okay that makes sense though as long as it works best for you i mean i feel like the best thing you can do is what is, is what makes you happy you know i think that it's important to do what not just what makes us happy mm-hmm. because that's when I think we get into what you were just talking about. Well, you know, I want sex. I want a baby. I want this. I want that. And that's like, I'm going to do this because it makes me happy mm-hmm. versus I'm going to do the things that fulfill me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the things that are consistent with my values. Mm-hmm and that allow me to be an authentic person. I mean, how many people you know, and you don't actually have to answer this, but get into a relationship and then they're talking to you and they're saying, oh man, this, that, and the other thing, or, oh, you know, I really hate when they do this. And like, have you talked to them about it? I can't do that. Yeah. Right? (laughs) You know, and they end up in relationships that don't really fit, but they're afraid not to have the relationship. They're afraid to actually be themselves. They're afraid to be authentic. They're afraid to go for what they really want in life. Yeah. And I don't think like, I don't think it's good to get with somebody and then try to change them into what you want because majority of the time they're going to revert to who they are already. That's a recipe for disaster right there. And it's, it's rude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? I like you. I like you just enough to spend the rest of my life changing you. No, thank you. Mm, But a lot of us do it. A lot of us do do it. Yeah. A lot of us aren't really happy. We try to convince ourselves that we're happy or in our own perception of happiness. Like, a lot of times we are raised with a certain way or certain values that is just stuck in our heads and we think we got to do that. Mm. Like, some people are just doing what people are telling them to and they think they're going to be happy. A lot of people really don't find happiness till after maybe their first or second marriage. So people don't even find, don't really get to experience true love till, the, till their 40s. And that's how I see it because it's like, I've experienced a lot of people, you know, go through relationships here and there, even myself. And it's just like, people are evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. People are changing all the time. So just for trying to change a person, to truly accept a person, you really have to love them for all their flaws. And that's a hard thing to do. That's really a hard thing to do. And you have to love yourself for all your flaws. And that's also... And that's, I think, what it takes us so long. 
Like I met my current partner. I've been with him for over 10 years. I met him uh, two weeks before my 40th birthday. And he is the most amazing human I've ever known in my life. When we came together, we agreed that we were going to make, we were going to be as open and honest as possible with each other. Like no, not hiding things. If, you know, one of us had a fantasy or a desire or something we wanted to do, mm. we would talk about it. <laughs> or what was the point of being in a relationship, mm. right? If we cannot be totally honest with each other, if we cannot look forward to this point now, 10 years later and say, wow, I am still falling in love with you every day what is the point of being in a relationship would you like to share an example of one of those things with us or no um sure you know like we have uh we've traveled and gone to kink events mm. we've traveled and gone to you know sexy parties okay um, you gotta explain both of those to us because we don't know when you say okay. kink 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 traveled and went to kink events are you talking about like he does them in Jamaica, like swingers things. That's what you're talking sure, about. Sure, sure. That would be like the sexy parties type thing. Okay, like in Vegas. Like hedonism would be a, a perfect example. Although there are there are smaller versions of that in the United States. Okay, so um, swinging parties. Yeah, they got them in in Vegas a lot. Yeah, they have them in Vegas. Um, and New, then kink are things like you know BDSM. So what is you that? Know, um, Power exchange, spanking. Okay. Oh, like dominatrix. Yeah, sure. So, so what, you got a leather suit that you put on? <laughs> I mean, I do have some leather. I don't have a full leather suit. No. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I mean, I have latex. Mm. All right. Um, earlier you were saying something about um, a business that you started and then you know you have that interesting voicemail so tell us about that <laughs> so i i have um i have two businesses um my primary business is curiouser.life this is you want more out of your sex love romance everything you're curiouser i have also um explored the world of kink and non-monogamy and sex and i have taught i've educated um in those areas like i've i've written a book um you know this was several years ago about like orgasms and how they work and how to have more and better orgasms okay um and that is uh educational and dating site called dating kinky mm. so you you've told us about a lot of experiences and relationships that you've had, but you don't you don't really look too old. <laughs> I turned fifty a couple of months ago. Okay, and 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 you're fifty, but you're not shy to talk about these kind of things. Usually, older women, no offense, they usually don't like speaking about these kind of things. Like they usually shy. Why do you think that? I think I think that a lot of people, you know, as as you were saying, I think when a lot of people get to a certain age, some people accept themselves more, mm. right? And just say, you know, this is who I am. I am I'm Heather, I'm Nookie, I'm authentic. When you talk to me, you get the real me. I'm not putting on an act. I'm not going to front like mm. I am exactly who I am and my clients and customers want that because they want to be able to be their authentic selves. Mm. Some people 
and this this was part of the conversation we were kind of having before the show some people their thoughts their beliefs have been given to them by others and they've never really challenged who they are told they should be mm. by society by their family by their lovers by their partners you know even people who have been mean to them have shamed them into thinking they need to be one way or another and when you get to 50 you either decide i'm too old for this ish and i'm gonna be myself mm -hmm. right or you're like well i've put so much of my life into being this person i'm super invested in it and change would be really hard that person mm. who often you know decides well maybe those are the people that come to me those are the people who want to read my boundaries book called take no shit those are the people who might be interested in my workshop those are the people who might be interested in my coaching the people who are like i've been trying it the way they've told me to do it for too long and it's not working i want to try something else mm. uh, you, 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 she nookie really intrigues me like she's <laughs> she really intrigued me because you have such this you have such a confidence, so much confidence around you. And I just wanted to know, like, and you said you've been like that since young. I want to know, like, who instilled that quality in you to be so self-accepting of others? Like, no offense, a lot of people like you, you know, they have implicit bias. Not just you, a lot of people, everybody. Oh, yeah. like, you feel me? A lot of people in the world. Before you see a person, before you meet a person, you have these biases and these opinions on them. But, like, who or what? experience that you went through that made you so accepting of others and i was i was raised to be accepting accept, accepting of others okay. um for sure and i have through my life focused in there's a there's a writing out there um it was really popular when i was a teenager it's called the desiderata and um you know it, it was speak your truth quietly and clearly. Um, everyone has their story, even the dull and ignorant. There will always be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Like I used to sort of use that as my mantra when I was young. And I believe that like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here talking with you because like I am meeting two new people who have two different perspectives on life. And I've, <laughs> I've already learned something about Haiti that I didn't know. And mm -hmm. it makes me want to go to Haiti now, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is an exciting thing for me. And if you look around, I have found that when you set high expectations of people, like when you believe that people are really good and valuable as humans, just because they are human mm -hmm. and you treat them that way the what you get in return is so amazing and when you judge people it is my belief nobody told me this but this is this is the belief that i've created throughout the years when you judge people you are telling yourself that it is okay for one person to judge another. And that leaves you open to them judging you. And I do not accept. Fortunately, the world's full of judgment. 
other people judging me if they don't know me and so I don't judge them I'm open to whatever you throw my way and I'm excited to, to learn about it and to hear it and to understand different perspectives yeah I mean that's biblical um, don't judge lest ye be judged as well um, absolutely Rachel did a sermon about that not too long ago well <laughs> years ago um, but then again, we can't say that we live within a world without judgment because there are court appointed judges. Shout out to Lola Waterman. She just got appointed circuit circuit judge. Straight of minds. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. We're gonna have the inauguration party, I believe, December second. Um, so shout out to um Lola Waterman. Um, you're very deserving of that. I know you've been working for that for a long time. Um, shout out to Monique Chandler Waterman, Assemblywoman. And shout out to um, Mercedes Narcisse, Councilwoman as well. Um, those are all the people that actually work with the real word and that came on the real word TV. So shout out to y'all, man. Um, that's three politicians we hope get elected. <laughs> so there you go. And we know them in real work there. Yeah, and we know them in real life. It's not cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you're right. You know, we cannot, our brains, the way the human brain works is mm. we judge. We look at people and we determine might they be dangerous right like that's that's about survival and the trick is is that if you think they're dangerous and they're not but you act like they're dangerous mm. you're safe right if you think they're dangerous and they are and you act like they're dangerous you're safe if you think they're dangerous if you think they're not dangerous and they are and you act like they're not dangerous you might be dead mm. right and so it's almost always a better survival tack to assume somebody's dangerous if they don't match up with the patterns that you think of as safe. Mm. And, and this is a problem in our world today is that we believe that everyone that is not like us, it doesn't look like us or doesn't speak like us or doesn't believe like us or whatever, mm. must be bad. Capital B, capital A, capital D, bad, mm. right? And not like bad as in good, but bad as in, wow, that's really fudged up. So I say that, you know, we're going to judge. Like we're going to have a split second in our brain where we're going to go, ooh, ah, different. And then we have a choice. I would and say, our choice is to act human to human mm, or not. Mm. I'll give you another example. I'll use Haiti for an example, right? When I got to Haiti, we know Haiti is a destabilized country. They killed the president. You know, he got assassinated in Haiti. Um, it's destabilized. They have about 3,000 police officers for about 10 million people, right? It's a very disproportionate um, police force. And, you know, the place where I went, Ocop or Cape Haitian, they have a fire station with about two fire trucks and only one fire truck work. And the only place I seen police officers would buy main roads at a place they called Boulevard, which is like the downtown area. So when I got there, first thing, you know, I was told was, yo, you got to have security and your security got to be armed at all times. So I was like, all right, whatever. So. I had that with me all the time, you know, I had security, I had drivers and everything. And that was me for the first two, three days I was there. And then, you know, I was sitting with my cousin. My cousin was like, yo, 
sometimes, you know, it is what you do that bring that kind of energy to you, right? So let's just say you have like a weapon on you or someone with you with a weapon. You're going to move different than versus so when you're moving without a weapon. And sometimes just because you have a weapon, you do things that you would not normally do if you didn't have a weapon. And sometimes a weapon could bring that extra energy to you. And I was like, yeah, sometimes it does. So after a while, you know, I started walking around with less people. After a while, I started, you know, not having to feel like I have to have, like, security with me or be armed when I go out. And then eventually, I started walking around the neighborhood on foot alone, like, just walking around. And it's like, okay. But it's almost like I became assimilated with the people and with the land. But, but even in this jungle, you know, this concrete jungle... At one point in life, I felt like I had to, you know, have that extra protection. And, you know, and afterwards, I felt like it wasn't really necessary, especially, you know, if I'm not putting myself in those positions, why would I have to be prepared for those predicaments? But at the same time, some people feel like they do have to be prepared. But at the same time, like there is precautional ways, but it's like a double edged sword, especially there's a there's a quote, and the quote goes, "Let he who draws his first, let he who draws his sir, let he who draws his sword first be met with brute force." Meaning that once you pull your weapon out, there's only two three things that you could do, right? Like let's just say I have, you know, a firearm, right? And I pull my firearm on someone, and let's just say I don't shoot. Now, I have to look over my shoulder because the person that I pulled it on, he could feel like he has to come and pull it out on me. And there's a chance that he could shoot, right? And let's just say I pull it out and I do shoot. Then there's repercussions that come along with it, too. So, you know, that's always that, you know? So, those are things I always keep in the back of my mind. And then, again, you could end up hitting yourself, you know? Poor, poor training, you know? Because that happens, too, to even law enforcement, you know? A mischarge, boom, blow your whole kneecap off or something. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that, you know, what I resonated most with what you were saying is the idea of bringing the energy that you want. Mm. Right? Like, so if I were to look at this, you know, you're looking at it, you know, from, you know, Haiti or from the city. If I were to look at this from the perspective of what I do, mm. relationships, mm -hmm. right? You're about to have a tough conversation about something. Mm -hmm. Are you going to bring the conflict? Are you going to bring the anger? Are you going to bring the mistrust and the suspicion and like the mean? Or are you going to bring the compassion and the hey i've got something to say and it might end up hurting a bit i still want to be completely open and honest with you because i love you and i care about you and i want you to know this part of me mm. right so there's you know what energy are you going to bring to your intimate relationships what energy are you going to bring you know to your friends what energy are you going to bring to your business deals what one of the energies that I think that you are bringing well just from this short time that we've been talking mm -hmm. is you're bringing you know the the gratitude and you are lifting people up 
you're thanking the people that helped you get where you are and you're shouting out to them and you're you're saying their names and you're lifting them and you know praising their accomplishments that's a kind of energy that you are choosing to bring mm. but you know sometimes and that makes a difference sometimes we also can get lost in that energy and it's yeah. like yeah you can be completely honest with your partner you could talk to your partner is your partner actually being receptive of what you're saying? Because you can be com- you could be communicating and just be talking about the same things over and over and over, but are you really being receptive and understanding and are actually implementing what the person is really... Because to be honest, nothing really works unless you're really truly understanding each other. And even that, sometimes when we do try to... Like, like you say, we could praise them for their accomplishments. We could support them as much as we can but you can also lose yourself in doing that as well too because as someone you love we can fear that we don't want to let them down and because we don't want to let them down and want to make them upset we accept everything that they do no matter that it's good or bad you understand that and it's like what you allow becomes constant and becomes normal becomes routine and before you know it like, you know, yeah, <laughs> just speaking from and, that's, and yeah. that's exactly what this book that I've just recently released, my take no shit, it's all about building better boundaries. And the idea is that building good boundaries in a relationship means that on one hand, you are your authentic self, right? And you give to others the energy that you want in your relationship. On the other hand, you are also choosing what you are willing to accept in a relationship. Do you have a partner, for example, like you were just saying, that validates you and makes you feel understood? Even when they disagree with you, they validate you like, hey, that is, I can see why you you feel that way. I don't feel that way, but Thank you for sharing that with me because now I understand you better and we might be able to avoid, you know, these these challenges in the future. The the key to me is creating your relationship collaboratively. Are you working together or are you trying to control or be controlled? I will tell you what to do so that, and you'll do it because later you're going to want to make me do something I don't want to do and I'm going to owe you one, right? Like that's how we do a lot of our relationship engagement is, well, you know, I'll wear this thing that you want me to wear to look nice for this because later I'm going to want to watch, you know, football on Sunday with the boys and I want you to shut up and leave me alone, right? Like (laughs) this is how we do these things. But to me, if I'm in a relationship, it's about collaboration. Mm-hmm. How do you and I build the best life for ourselves as individuals and the best relationship we could possibly have? How do we have passion and love and respect and acceptance and belonging and honesty and you know deep talks and you know, leave me the fudge alone time, right? Like, how do we have all of that and still live our best lives as individuals as well? Mm. 
And it takes a while to find that medium and find that balance. I feel like even not only in like, you know, partners relationship, but even with parents. Like I know it took yeah. me a long time to make peace with, you know, parents regarding, you know, repairing that inner child. You know, that's something that's a phrase mm-hmm. that I got from therapy when I first started that. And, you know, dealing with childhood traumas and things that occurred and, you know, things that happen in your family that people don't want to talk about, but you still got to live with and people that you got to see every day, different things like that. And even the relationship where, like, sometimes you're a grown man with kids and then your parents still see you still the same way, you know, and, and sometimes you, you, you see yourself the same way, especially with people that you grew up with, you start to forget their ages and, you know, it's like time going by, you know. So I think all that's part of life and maturing. It, it very much is. And it's it's part of questioning your your world, right? It's it's not just living and interacting with your parents as you've always lived and interacted with them, but saying, what is actually best mm-hmm. for me? What is actually best for our relationships? And sometimes it means saying to your parents, this is a line I'm going to draw. I'm an adult now and I don't need you in this part of my business. I love you. I know you care about me mm-hmm. and I need you out of this part of my business. I'm not going to answer any more questions about that. <laughs> right? Or I'm not going to talk about this at Thanksgiving. Mm. <laughs> well, Thanksgiving right? soon come up, so it's going to be mixy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so what about your other business? You say you got two businesses. Right. The, curi- the Curiouser.life and the Dating Kinky. Oh, Dating Kinky. Is so, that dating, dating app? So is that a dating app? Dating Kinky or just... It, it's a dating app and an educational library of over probably 600 hours of content. When you say helping content. Helping people live better relationships. Webinars, educational seminars, that okay. sort of thing. Oh, I thought you were talking about like pictures and videos. Like, oh no, no, no! I don't do porn. <laughs> More power to people who do porn. Like, I'm, I'm again, no judgment if that's you know how they do their thing. Mm. It's not my life. I'm not living it. Mm. But I'm more into the you know educational. Mm. If you want to do this as an adult with another adult who consents with you, yeah, these are the ways to do it best. I think you're so selling like sexual fantasies or like. You know, the sexual hotlines of those stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, I, I think that there's definitely a place for that in this world. There are a lot of <laughs> people, <laughs> people who don't get what they need from no, their but, relationship. But that's, that's, that's very good, though, because a lot of people do need that education. And, and if people are going to partake in certain things, they should be educated and, and, and be safe, you know. And find, Absolutely. And everybody I mean, at the end of the day just want to feel good. You know, we you barely have like, like sex ed in schools. Most people don't even know how their bodies work. Yeah. You know, but we don't have relationship ed at all. Yeah. Right? Nah. How do you yeah. how do you communicate? How do you relate to other humans? Like how do you how do you do this whole dating thing? Like how does this even work? I don't know. So, you know, I write about it and I bring in other people to talk about it. Kind of like Kind of like a show like this, only we put on webinars for free for people to attend live, and then we put the replays in our library for our members. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to find your service and wants to find these library and content, where would they be able to find it at? 
Um, so for like my book and my workshops and my coaching in the more what we call vanilla world. <laughs> what do you say vanilla? World, oh, okay, okay. That would be my.curiouser.life. Okay. Um, and then if they wanted to find out a little bit more about things like alternative lifestyles, kink, non-monogamy, that sort of thing, mm. then it would be at datingkinky.com. Okay, okay, nice. <laughs> Since the beginning of the episode, you just, like, the saying, live your best life, your best life, your best life. Mm. So, have you felt like you're on your journey of living your best life, or you feel like you you lived your best life? I am... I have the most amazing partner. I, I have, for me, I could not, when I was in my abusive relationship, when I was in my marriage, when I got out of that, I could not have even imagined how amazing a relationship can be. Looking back, like I had only the tiniest clue, right? My brain could not encompass it because I didn't have you know, the concept or the experience of what it means. And um, my partner is not only one of the best humans I've ever known in my life, um, but I feel loved, I feel desired, I feel accepted, I have amazing friends. We go on wonderful adventures, we, you know, backpack, we travel, um, we explore the world together, (laughs) we connect with people all over the country and all over the world. And um, we just really love each other mm. a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I would guess that you're more spiritual than religious then. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, my parents, my father was uh, um, an atheist. Mm. My mother was agnostic. When I was, so my father has told this story and I, I believe him. When I was four, Um, My father told my grandparents that he didn't want me going to church with them and I threw a fit and I said I'm gonna go to church with my grandparents because I like going to church and He said that that was when he realized that you know Like I was actually like a separate human being. I wasn't just some sort of like larvae You know thing right I could actually make up my own mind Mm -hmm. and throughout my um, younger years I have gone to you know every church synagogue spiritual retreat whatever that any friend invited me to Mm -hmm. um, to learn more about you know their religious beliefs their philosophies their ideas and I find personally for myself that I think that there is a lot of truth that is universal and threads through many religions and philosophies and spiritualities and um, there's a lot of places where even very similar religions disagree on one tiny detail Mm. that I kind of just say I don't know I don't know I try to live a life of loving and being loved and I try to do the best I can by the people I interact with um, in business and in friendship. And I hope, I don't know, 
I hope that, you know, whatever greater being is out there, whether it's the universe or God or goddess or, you know, multiple deities or whatever it is, mm. I hope that the good that I do is what they're really looking for in a human. Yeah. And with that, we'll close out. <laughs> so my closing thought would be that, you know, um, this is a labor of love and an effort of love and it's connecting people from all over the world. Um, you see how it connected us and Miss Nookie <laughs> tonight. <laughs> it connected us and Miss Nookie tonight. <laughs> nookie, Nookie. Now it's a wow wow. <laughs> so shout out to you for coming on and shout out to everybody that's been watching. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Special thank you to everybody that donated to the turkey drive and everybody that came out. We was able to donate a total of 88 turkeys. Um, this past weekend, um, shout to Food Bazaar, our corporate sponsor. Shout to Herman SDA Church and shout to Bigger SDA Church and shout to everybody that donated to the Cash App and to the Zelle um, and even to the Eventbrite. And shout to everybody that came because y'all had a line around the corner before we even showed up. Um, so we thank you all for your continued support. We thank you for your continued efforts to help us grow. And this is a labor of love that continues to grow because of you. You have closing thoughts, Spinner? Yeah, just wanna say um thank you, Miss Nucky, um for really enlightening us, enlightening us, and having a um open mind on new thoughts and beliefs, and just being accepting and just living, you know, living our best life. Um, everybody stay safe, stay blessed up. That's a wrap. <laughs> all right, all right. Quick prayer, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you for this blessing. We thank you for everyone that continues to help us create and build this ministry of love this ministry that we have offered onto the universe and we ask you and we thank you for allowing us to continue to grow it um we thank you for allowing our sister to come here on this podcast today to speak to us and we continue to grow we ask you to protect all the people that continue to work with us and help us to be a labor of love and a living testament in the name of yahshua jesus we pray amen 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 so thank you god bless you good night y'all it's the real world. It's the real world. It's the real world.